0: Thanks to the events of the past two years, almost everyone on the planet understands what it means to suddenly have to change how we live our lives. Dr. Catalina Trapini had really only just set foot in her first leadership role as a researcher in a fairly new school and an entirely new city, when the sudden shift happened for her. Of the two and a half years she's been with UBC, nearly 70% has been spent working in a hybrid or entirely remote environment. We sat down to talk about her experience, her research, where our gut microbiome meets climate change, the lessons she's learned, and what's to come in her work. Welcome to SBME Interfaces. So today we are interfacing with Dr. Catalina Trapini. She is an assistant professor in the School of Biomedical Engineering and the Department of Microbiology and Immunology at UBC. She received her PhD in biophysics at Stanford and also completed her postdoctoral studies there. She is the first Canadian recipient of the Johnson & Johnson Women in STEM 2D Scholars Award in the field of engineering. Last year, she was named a distinguished investigator by the Paul G. Allen Frontiers Group, providing each of four groups of researchers with $1.5 million U.S. in funding over a three-year period to pursue projects in health, disease, and technology, specifically in her particular field, which is in the gut microbiome. She is a staunch advocate of Jedi, which is justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, both in her lab and across SBME, being actively involved in our inaugural committees and initiatives. She is a gifted leader and mentor, a time management maven, which we can talk about a little bit later, a constant learner, a former beach volleyball player, and much more besides. Welcome, Carolina.
1: (laughs) Thanks so much for having me.
0: Uh, It is my genuine pleasure. I, so um, we briefly discussed this before, but I, there's a couple of areas I wanna to talk to you about today. Um, one of the first ones is we are two years into a pandemic. Uh, you and I have talked a little bit before about how this situation has revealed inequities and things that need to be fixed, particularly in academia and in, and in research as well. So in your own mind, what do you think we've learned?
1: Well, so the when I think about the pandemic, I think the, the first image that comes to my mind was uh, Uh, one of the the first faculty meetings that that I've been at um, and that was kind of started during the pandemic and the kids were at home and they were fighting and I swear I had my mic off but I didn't and I had no idea because the kids were screaming and I was trying to push them away from the room and by the time that I got back um, my mic had been silenced and everyone had written we can hear you screaming, and that was one of those situations you know when you kind of want to dig yourself and fortunately on Zoom, you can just turn your video off and, uh, and then you're in the hall by yourself uh, but you know the i I'm, I'm super privileged right like you know i have I have a space where i can where I can be and be productive at work uh, while being uh, uh, during the pandemic, and that's not true for everyone. Uh, the pandemic, I think, has been this extremely stressful time, and and I, I I think there have been lessons that have been learned, but I I wish there had been more um, in the sense that I think there's a lot of opportunities that almost got started, you know, like this whole hybrid thing. Uh, I think it's not there yet. Uh, and uh, um, yeah, so I feel like there's there's a lot that we have learned, you know, in some sense, like accessibility has really been improved in the way that uh everyone can access content in in ways that uh before were not uh, available. But at the same time, uh, you know, I I taught a class uh last term and we had this very finicky video that every once in a while like one, like would go up and point at the ceiling. And so there's still work to be done, I think um but uh yeah maybe you mean um uh was there something specific in terms of lessons learned in the pandemic like do you mean scientifically or anything really
0: uh do you is there anything that you like we talk about the you know the, the hybrid aspect and um and we talk about how there were certain people who were hit way harder than other people or I, i'm i too i'm one of those people who are privileged it's uh, it's yeah it's any is there anything there that you hope maybe we take forward into whatever the new norm looks like when we eventually get there?
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, I think has been really fun is to, is to work more easily with people around the world um, in the mm-hmm. sense that uh, we, we had um, uh, students from all over the world that uh, started working remotely uh, with us. And uh, this allowed people that normally we may have not interfaced with uh, to actually have them part, be part of our team. And it was the norm to in fact, still is to communicate uh, uh, online, and so it didn't matter as much that uh, you know maybe this person normally would have not been able to uh, um, to move to Canada for some amount of time and so the, there's definitely barriers that have been broken thanks to uh, the way that we've been bringing things online um, but then there's you know I've never seen seen as much uh, um, uh, mental health issues in, in students as, as we have. Uh, this is something that, that I think is uh, it's really coming up, but it's hard to to be isolated and to start school without peers that you can talk to just because you're walking down to class together. And so the that those social aspects, I think, you know, if we're not careful, may have a lasting impact as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So I, I always wonder... Um, about how this particular, like the COVID generation will adapt in that situation. Like what will they be better at that maybe we weren't before, but it's also that, right? Is the, the, the isolation aspect has really increased mental health in the workplace as well. There, there, are, there are going to be papers written about this for forever uh, as we start to get out of it. So in discussing this, um, you have been as part of the school now for almost three years, you've been sitting in that chair for two very interesting of three years while, you know, establishing your own lab and doing all that kind of work. So um, what have been some of the biggest challenges, the biggest wins? How do you feel? All that kind of good stuff.
1: Yeah, you know, so I was lucky that we had six months before the pandemic started. Um, So you're making me a little bit older than uh, that. I'm actually um, two and a half years.
0: (laughs) Two and a half, two and a half. (laughs)
1: Uh, But yeah, so I think I'm really grateful that we got a chance to to actually experience what normal looked like, and you know, it may never come back. So it was it was fun to see the uh, the, the the traveling, the interactions, and the uh, what how how things were like before moving into uh, the the isolation and just the, the new opportunities also that came with the with the pandemic. Um, and and so the um, I I think one of the things that was was tough was by the time that things shut down uh, from the perspective of our lab, we had just started getting our our mouse lines going. We were there at the cusp of getting started on big experiments and then close down, down everything, all the experiments. And then, you know, sometimes you have uh, senior faculty members that say like, oh, I never had so much time to write papers. And then I'm like, we have nothing to write on. <laughs> <Let's> <laughs> you know. uh, and, and, you know, and so, but I uh, have, the, the thing that I'm I'm super grateful about is that uh, our group has been extremely resilient. Um, you know, people have learned very different skills to analyze different datasets, and um, and you know, and, and you really see the the courage and the the stamina and the the resilience of um, of people kind of coming together. And um, you know, uh, we're we're now starting to to write papers, and it's kind of amazing that these papers are entirely coming from from a period of pandemic. And it, I think this is really a reflection of Uh, how, how, how good people have been at uh, staying focused and staying connected and, and kind of making sure that, you know, we can still be reproductive. And so I, I feel, I feel extremely fortunate you know, the, in the past, even in the past uh, uh, week of, you know, giving a couple of talks and kind of, you know, sometimes you you hear yourself talking and you're kind of like, wow, this stuff is really awesome. And so it's, 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 it's pretty fun.
0: That's, that's, this is a really good segue, actually. Um, can you, for anybody out there who doesn't know, give a quick nutshell of your research? I find it endlessly fascinating.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So our, our lab studies, uh, the microbes that live uh, in our gut. And uh, these are really important entities that uh, are a part of um, an entire ecosystem that is, is around and inside us. And so they make vitamins that we're not able to make. They break down uh, the food that uh, uh, we otherwise wouldn't be able to digest. and One of the things that I think is pretty amazing about having them inside us is that anything that they produce uh, is is like a a pill that we take by mouth. It just makes it through our entire uh, entire system. And so our microbes can affect um, uh, the function of our immune system as much as they can affect uh, the function of our brain. And so there's a really incredible potential for precision medicine because each one of us has a a very different microbiota. Uh, So microbiota is kind of the collective term for these microbes. And uh, uh, oh, sorry. go ahead, no go
0: ahead I was going to say you 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 talk so eloquently about the um, what I would call the comparative between our gut microbiota and climate change, and in particular things like dysbiosis events and stuff like. I was wondering if you could speak to that as well I think it's such a cool yeah. metaphor.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, one of the things that, that is really fun in thinking that we, we harbor so many different microbes inside us is that it really is an ecosystem and uh, very complex, hundreds of different species. Everyone has their, their own agenda to be able to, to survive. And just like with global warming, we're seeing these changes in temperature affecting a million out of the eight millions of animals uh, that are being driven to extinction. Similarly, although it's a d- different time and length scale, when we have a fever or when we ingest drugs or when we may have um, a sickness, our physical environment changes uh, inside us. So if you think about a fever, it's also a, a change in temperature of a couple of degrees. And the difference here is that, you know, you're, you're probably thinking about, well, you know, the polar bears are being affected over a period of 20 years. And how does that relate to the gut? Well, in the gut, the fever may only last for say a couple of days, but the timescale of uh, replication of these microbes is in the order of tens of minutes to hours. So for them, a fever that lasts a couple of days is not so different from the timescale of generation of the polar bears. And so whenever we have these these changes uh, in physical environment, the ecosystem is going to be changed. And so the the thing that is is really exciting about it is that uh, it both gives us a, a chance to modify it to actually better our human health but also gives us a, a lever to understand um, what is actually happening. A lot of the diseases end up being driven by the microbiota. Uh, and a lot of the things that we've changed through industrialization, let's say, changed our lifestyle, changed the way that we eat, will also affect the way that uh, our ecosystem is functioning. Mm,
0: it's funny, so, so Aristotle was right. Uh, wasn't he the one who said that if you, you want to deal with human health, go to the gut? Uh, so yeah.
1: uh, I think yeah, there was... Um, uh, Gosh, there was a, the um, uh, famous, um, <laughs> no, 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 no. Or Hippocrates, was it Hippocrates? Hippocrates. It was Hippocrates? Hippocrates? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that's, this at the beginning. Of
0: the- <laughs> that's excellent though. That's That means that you are a part of a thousands year old tradition, uh, which okay. is pretty cool.
1: Why are we um, all, uh, all like this? <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so what what do you really hope to see happen in this particular research space? Like, well, what are the things you are pursuing? What What really gets you excited?
1: The, the things that, you know, over the long-term, I, I see the, the microbiota as a way of doing, of really doing precision medicine uh, in, in its core. So uh, 10 years ago, there was a lot of excitement around uh, our understanding of, um, even 20 years ago now, of the, the human genome and how that might affect the way that we do medicine. With the idea that everyone is different and everyone has different genes. And so everyone might need a different type of medical treatment that is personalized to themselves. The challenge though, is that we, for important ethical reasons and also for practical reasons, we, we can change human genomes. Our microbiota has is, is been called our second genome and it's much more malleable than our own genome. It also doesn't have all the ethical implications. Uh, there, there are of course some, but it's, it's very different. If you change your microbiota, uh, you're, you're not changing your, your own genome. And so there, because it's so malleable uh, and because it has so many different functions. So when we look at the number of genes uh, that are present in our microbes, there is about 150 times more than the ones in our own human genome. Even though they're so little, together as a community, they have capabilities that we just can't even imagine. And and so being able to actually know a person's microbiota, uh, if they have a disease, we may be able to supply them with different microbes that will secrete drugs to ameliorate their disease at the right time. These microbes are extremely sophisticated in the way that this thinks their environment. And so being able to uh, to tackle medicine and and, uh, and really leverage the uh, their importance to our health uh, as well as their their flexibility to adapt to different uh, environments is a, is both a challenge because it's a very complex system, but I think it has an incredible upside.
0: Absolutely, wow. Um, and so th- that's been, as you are a leader in this space. Let's take over to leadership then too. Uh, so um, you and I have had plenty of conversations about leadership, and uh, I love learning from you. Um, and you. what I <laughs> thank you. Uh, the biggest thing for me is um, uh, is you approach leadership as a learner, not as an expert. You approach leadership as as something that you practice over time. Um, so, and it's, it's what makes you a great leader, I believe. So what kind of advice then do you have for either that grad student or that new PI that you know, sits in their lab, whatever it's going to be um, and who are, have found themselves in a position of leadership now where it's their job now to take care of people, like anything, anything at all.
1: Oh, you got the great question and I, I think I think, in some sense, that as you were saying, we learn leadership all the time, and so I don't think that in some sense you have to wait to to be a PI or, or a senior graduate student to to take on leadership. Is that you know sometimes it's the it's the small actions that uh, that really have have an impact, and really leadership is is kind of a matter of uh, are you able to to take something in your hands to 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 change things or to improve uh, to improve systems to improve methods. Like, you know, even at the, at the small scale of someone saying like. I will take care of uh, uh, ordering food for for the lab. That is still taking leadership, even though it's on on the scale of, of something that is local. Uh, and the you know, one of the things that that I think it's sometimes uh, hard to know is is where do you want to have impact? Uh, and I think that's kind of how um, how you can frame your your own leadership, and, and and at least how I frame my growth within within leadership is kind of re- trying to realize what are the areas that I care about and being able to lead change, if it's backed up by, by passion and by enthusiasm, then it, it's just part of everyday life. Um, and you know, there's also part of everyday life, a lot of, a lot of methods ups and uh, and a lot of, of learning. Um, I, absolutely there's, a uh, yeah, one of the fun things about, I think being in academia is that we're always pushing frontiers and with that come mistakes. Uh, so I think that, yeah. uh, you know, but learning happens in, in every aspect you talk about that about
0: the, the the hard work of trying to find out what it is you actually want to impact what it is you want to be passionate about what is it that you want to be passionate about and impact
1: i you know one of the things that, that I'm learning right now is is that that I need to narrow it down uh, you know one of the things <laughs> that um, to be honest I was pretty burnt out uh last term because i I think um, it's easy to to try to take too much on and I feel like particularly right now during um during the pandemic it's it's hard to, to find out the, the right limits on things. And, uh, and so the, what, the, what I, think I focused on that were the, the areas that I, I care the most about, um, you know, this, I think it's been true, true throughout. Um, but people are, are what motivate me. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm in science because I, uh, I love working with people. Um, I think that, um, I, I love seeing people grow, uh, into scientists and, uh, and the the science is kind of like the intellectually stimulating part, like the puzzles that we're trying to solve. But in the end, um, you know, the, the things that uh, I, I I take home, you know, I'm working from home, but still, <laughs> that I kind of take beyond the work uh, are, are are my interactions with people. Um, and, and so the you know I guess like the I, I want to be able to uh, uh, to communicate the science that we're doing uh, as much as I I want to be able to uh, it's such a privilege and an honor to, to train the next generation of scientists. Uh, and uh, sometimes I, I miss the bench science, you know, kind of getting the Eureka moment right from your own hands. Uh, but, but seeing, uh, seeing people, you know, come, come to my office, like with this excitement of like having the discovery is, uh, it's, it's incredible. Um, and yeah, so I'm, what I'm hoping to, to cultivate more is, is, is more of that. And uh, one of the great things is that if you surround Yourself with the uh, with great people, the the great ideas just just flourish, and uh, uh, you know I I think that um, I, I've been lucky to find an incredible group of people to be working with.
0: Yeah, you know how to build a team. The uh, having had the privilege of, of meeting some of your team, uh, you well, you had to build a team. A,
1: okay, yeah, the, I I think that um, the, the, a lot of the team has definitely built itself. So it's uh, yeah, <laughs> I feel the best yeah. teams
0: do right? Good scientists, good scientists attract good scientists, I think. Yeah. Um, And so talk to me a little bit then about uh, your leadership in another area, which is uh, leadership and advocacy in the EDI space. Um, You've been such a part of what we've been doing at SBME, what we're trying to do at SBME. I know we're just scratching the surface, but but especially in science, like, where do you hope we can improve? Where do you hope we can do better? Um, That kind of thing.
1: Yeah, the you know I, I think one of the things that has been kind of fascinating um, that happened at the same time of uh, um, of the pandemic is like this kind of realization of, of how much work we uh, we have to do in the in the realm of uh, um, equity, diversity, and inclusion. And you know I, I would add justice uh, because somehow it yeah. is, it's a bit of a of a different thing too, right? That uh, we have to to, to make right by uh, by so many communities that that, that have been. Uh, uh, Mistreated, uh, that have not been able to have a voice, and um, and that we need to amend uh, these these mistakes and make sure that as we move forward in science, that um, everyone feels welcome, heard, and supported. Uh, and and so the uh, I guess like the some of the work that, uh, um, that that I think that can be done at the university, and it's been really amazing to see how much how much passion and how much. Uh, involvement there's been from from uh, people throughout the community is to really try to make a, a change in that uh, uh, in that direction. And so one, one of the things that, uh, that I'm involved with right now is um, I'm co-chairing the Indigenous Engagement Committee uh, and um, for SBME. And uh, and so working with uh, uh, w- with people and, and there's there's so much learning that needs to happen. You know, one, one of the things that I kind of realized with the uh, with EDI is that uh, I often feel I feel like I stumble on my words, and uh, there's there's so much learning to do, um, and uh, and you know that this is a uh, an area in which I, I feel like there's there's a lot of growth that is happening, and and I want to I want to see more people that put themselves out there and put themselves uh, make themselves be uncomfortable to make things better, and and I really see people that that are really stepping up uh, in in these positions and and that are 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 driving these changes, and so the. There's a lot of work that that needs to be done. You know, from the indigenous uh, engagement perspective, um, we need to decolonize the university. Uh, there's there's so much that needs to be done, um, and and there's a lot of history that uh, you know within Canada that we need to uh, we need to come to terms with and and we need to amend. And so that there's an incredible amount of work, but there's also um, it's a real movement and it's it's pretty incredible to be part of this and uh, be part of the the learning and uh, and and hopefully be part of the change
0: this is why um as well i like talking to you about this too is is something you said at the beginning is it, it it hurts it sucks to to look at this stuff right and so it requires courage it requires the knowledge that you're gonna screw up you're gonna put your feet in your mouth and then you're gonna have to come back and learn more because that's that's the um that's the job, I guess is the best way to put it, right? As a human being, that's the job. So uh, that's one of those things where I I, I, I I wish we could normalize that discomfort in it because normalizing the discomfort will lead us to that very rich data source of mm-hmm. making those mistakes and learning on the other side of it. So uh, yeah, I'm very glad about the work you're doing and SBME, SBME needs more of that very much so. Um, I wanna tilt back to something you said before uh, where you were talking about how uh, that's what, that sort of sense of overwhelm that you had last term, you know, taking too much on. Uh, I just wanted to, to tell you, it's, it isn't just you. This is a big, big, um, another sort of pandemic. It, during the pandemic is so many people, because we're at a distance for some weird reason, we're saying yes to too much and we're taking on too much. And there has yet to be a single person in, whether it's student or staff or faculty, it doesn't matter who, who hasn't said like, oh, we're, there's, a, there's a lot, we're doing a lot right now. So, it's, uh, so you're not alone and any students and faculty out there, you're not alone either. <laughs>
1: So, yes, yeah, Have this conversation. Well, it's, it's one part of it. I think that in some sense, um, I hope that we'll learn from the pandemic. It's w- whatever is going to be the the new normal, is that we'll be able to, to slow down. And I feel like the pandemic has, has given us a disservice because by working from home, there's no breaks in between meetings. You know, classes will run not 50 minutes, they'll run 60 minutes. And um, there's we don't have like i feel like that's the um, the mistake of uh, of humans trying to be more efficient than in practice we just do more we're not more like we're we are more efficient but in practice it just means that we drive ourselves through the ground more um and and you know i don't i don't have unfortunately a, a good answer for for that except for <laughs> mindfully thinking and making sure that that we that we slow down practically but um, uh, it's easy to fall into that loop that is like oh like now i can use 100% of my time doing mm-hmm. things and it's just not our how our biology works we are not routed to, to we're
0: very right we're not wired for that and on on that note like what what came to your rescue when you were when you were like oh this is too much i'm at too much right now like do you have any like time management hacks that you used uh that you could you know tell everybody out there
1: yeah you know the i'm a, i'm a very strong proponent of 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 time management just not really uh, from the perspective of having things organized, but mostly to to know that you're prioritizing what's important to you. If you don't make your own prioritizations, someone else will do it for you. Um, there's just so much stuff to do that someone else will impose their view of how things should go on, uh, on you. And uh, so if you prioritize what you want to do, and then you make sure that it happens, you're you're making your schedule and you're managing your own time such that you can actually achieve what's important to you. Uh, and and this is true from achieving your work stuff as much as it is, if exercise is important to you, if you don't schedule it in, it will not happen. Uh, and, and so the, you know, kind of making sure that we protect our time for things that are important to us is a, you know, Particularly right now, one of the few ways in which you can ensure that your time doesn't it doesn't get stolen away.
0: Absolutely, um, this will probably be connected uh, then to this next question here. If you could tell your twenty year old self anything, give that give that young Carolina Trapini uh, advice, what would it be?
1: Um, that's the hard question. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, that I that I find that. That has been interesting about uh, my my career path is that, or I guess maybe not even career. Like when I when I was um, when I was a kid, uh, I really wanted to study animal behavior, and I would spend hours observing birds in the backyard. And um, uh, the one of my parents uh, completed university, and so the, we were kind of the first generation to actually be able to uh, to attend and complete university, and was kind of a big deal. And um my when i was little and kind of doing these these decidings of, of animals and, and studying ethology kind of, you know as a as a hobby more than more than anything but my grandpa told me you know that uh, you're the first generation that has an opportunity you better take advantage of it and, and studying animal behavior is not going to be um, you know we've worked so hard to get you to actually have these opportunities that um you should do something that is going to be useful for um, for for humans and for the community that has supported you to come here and i, I took that very strongly to to heart uh, you know kind I kind of dropped all of the the studying the animal behavior and i uh, you know i, I went into um, into a career that i thought it would, would take me to um, actually having an impact on on human health and and uh, you know my 20 year old self was so focused on on kind of going in this, this direction and having this uh, um, this kind of impact and it wasn't until a few years back then when I kinda I kind of realized that actually somehow i managed to to bridge both things you know the um, the bacteria and the viruses the communities that we study in in our gut are 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 no different from from the animals that I was observing it's just the the skills are different um, and you know I think what um I have, what I probably would tell my my twenty year old self is to is to realize more about the the interconnectivity that that we all have. I feel like a little bit. There's been a period of my life in which I, I've um, I, I lost that um, that sense of, of kind of of wonder of of magic um, that you know. The, sometimes sometimes as scientists we kind of distance ourselves from uh, because of we try to have things that are very clearly delineated and quantified. But there's still magic because things are so beautiful the the way that things work, it's so complex and yet it's so robust mm-hmm. uh, and, and so the yeah, kind of reminding ourselves of the um uh, of the, the beauty of the things that we study, I think is uh, is something that uh, we should not be forgotten.
0: Oh my god, that's that's profound. Uh, uh, Ray Bradbury once said that you should always leave time for poetry uh, in the day for very much that reason. <laughs> like the the kind of language that kicks you out of your routine and makes you see magic mm-hmm. and wonder again, right um yeah well said well said Carolina um uh, okay then uh, one last question then so are is there any specific initiative or project or endeavor that you're overseeing right now that you are really excited about and you feel that we should get excited about too uh,
1: one oh just one <laughs> well <laughs> um you know, one thing that i'm really excited about is that uh um i think i'm allowed to talk about this we may have to cut this out if we're not but the big uh, uh, fret, um on uh, uh, on innovation and kind of uh, you know bioengineering. How can we um, involve bioengineering in in human health? That's something that I think is uh, uh, is really really exciting. So this has been led by Kelly McNagney, uh, and uh, um, uh, as far as I'm, I'm part of the team with um, Anna Blankley, uh, and uh, uh, you know Peter Zanstra and uh, um, Michael Murphy are on it as well as well as Pauline Johnson and. Uh, it's been just really fun to uh, come up with new ideas and uh, and think really big about uh, what are uh, what are ways in which we can um, uh, we can make UBC a hub for these new technologies and and really have a, a large impact uh, while including EDI principles and uh, and thinking really broadly. Uh, so it has been really fun.
0: Oh, that's that's the stuff that excites me about biomedical engineering. Is uh, kind of everything is 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 a moonshot now. You know what I mean? Like there there's we have the opportunity to think that big, we have the we have the opportunity to go far afield and try things we've never tried before. Um, this is uh, is very exciting. Anyway, um, thank you so much for your time, Carolina. Um, I thank am you. always uh, in awe of you, and I love learning from you. And uh, I can't wait to see what you do next.
1: <laughs> thank you so much.